Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hey there, my name is Aaliyah Lovely and I am the host of a chart tapping podcast called Spiritual Shit. And I have a workshop available to you called Intro Into Your Intuition. It's a training course to teach you more about how intuition can work for you. We cover topics about how to deepen your intuition, how to learn more about truth, overcoming your fears, understanding your sensitivities, and how to connect with the universe. Most importantly, how to distinguish the difference between anxiety and intuition. This workshop is available for easy listening on thelovelyalia.com. And it is only $9.99, which is a very affordable price if you are not able to work with me one-on-one and want to gain insight into intuition through my personal teachings, all available to you right now. So please go over to thelovelyleah.com to get your own copy of Intro Into Intuition and get started with being able to connect to your side of the universe. Hey guys, I hope you had an incredible week and I I think some of you did. I connected with quite a few of you over Instagram this week about last week's episode and I want to just say thank you so much for reaching out. Um it's it's been an interesting week this week. Um with a lot of wonderful kind of ups and downs. And while I'd like to blame it on the stars, I can only blame it on earth. <laughs> So, um, happy Martin Luther King Day um, to an incredible man who changed the game, if you will, or was at least a very large, impactful leader on the shift and change for black Americans and equal rights. And um, yeah, which is so fitting because today we have a wonderful episode with the Sabina Project that we'll get into in a little bit. And I'm excited for all the things that and the knowledge that they've shared. Um, But just to give you kind of an update on what's going on with me, um, for those of you who follow along, um, we finally closed on our house. I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, And this is this is such such a huge blessing after so much time spent and years of trying to manifest something. Uh, It's been truly a beautiful expression of being able to get into that energy and connect with that energy to bring stuff forward. I got to recognize loads of my resistance (laughs) through this process. I got to see how even if you know all the tips, trips, tricks, and uh, secrets, you can still fuck up. (laughs) And uh, in fact, today, um, I'm sitting in my new house. It's empty and we're currently painting, so everything is a hot mess. But um, that's why the audio is shit. <laughs> so I, you know, it's, it's, it's been really a humbling experience and the day everything was finally signed and done, uh, man, I c- couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop crying because to me, this, this is symbolizes so much more than, um, just a place to live. If you guys are, anybody's a cancer, they know like their home is like it, <laughs> um, and it's the space where I can finally get back into what I feel like the groove of my my own energy and my meditation. And um, I felt like I've been in limbo for a while. And so it's really just finally like a exhale that I've been waiting for for a really long time. Um, what's great about that also is that um, we have, uh, I'm going to tease it a little bit, this incredible manifestation program I'm creating with another um, collaborator 
who I'll introduce a little bit later, which I'm really excited about, just because I got to see in real time how in one year everything can shift and change with the right, um, I'm not even going to say the right attitude. There's like healing. There's It's so complex um, and yet so simple. And so I'm excited to bring that to you guys today. But as always, if this podcast has helped you in any way, if it's supported you, if it's helped you heal in some kind of way, then definitely find a way to support the show, whether that's reposting your favorite episode, uh, joining us over at Patreon, supporting us um, through the listener support on Anchor, uh, whatever it is. I appreciate every one of you guys who are just involved in sending love to the show. It's It really does mean a lot to me and it humbles me every week. So anyway, um, we're going to get into this episode. Be prepared to learn. <laughs> And be prepared to be uncomfortable. Um, With everything in the climate going on in the world, I couldn't find a more fitting episode to go for today. And so if you are someone who isn't familiar with this world as much or is just now learning, um, put on your your big person pants (laughs) and um, just just be in a position to be open. I'll ask ask you of that. Um, Okay, so let's get started. The Sabina Project is a collective that integrates ancestral plant medicine wisdom into the modern journeyer's experience to reduce harm and expand consciousness. With the belief that sacred earth medicine is key in liberating all oppressed peoples, they facilitate online and in-person opportunities for learning that supports radical self-transformation in the name of collective liberation. They offer journey preparation, integration, and ceremonies with legal sacred earth medicine allies. What's special about this group is that their focus is on welcoming BIPOC into the wellness space with a deep safety that is rarely offered in healing practices today. In addition to that, they hold space for BIPOC people to reconnect with their ancestral heritage and indigenous practices where they have largely been appropriated and commercialized. Co-founder Charlotte James has been a harm reductionist and psychedelic explorer for over 10 years. And Charlotte is fascinated by communication, has a love of language, and is captivated by the power of human connection. She works to create a world in which everyone is able to live fearlessly in the pursuit of radical transformation. She uses her skills as a marketing strategist and content creator to build and engage a virtual community focused on pursuing equitable liberation. Co-founder Andrea Wright, known as Dre, has been working to heal himself with sacred medicines for over 11 years. He's a cannabis entrepreneur that was instrumental in decriminalization and medical bill pass in Maryland. He has a focus on equity and inclusion in all healing work communities, and he practices in the traditional Amazonian ways, having trained with various global indigenous masters. He focuses on ancient teachings as a means to achieve spiritual enlightenment. At the core of the teachings lie the transformation of consciousness, a spiritual awakening that he sees as the next step in human evolution. An essential aspect of this awakening consists in transcending our ego-based state of consciousness. This is a prerequisite not only for personal happiness, but also for ending the violent conflict epidemic in our planet. Please welcome the Sabina Project to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely, and today we have the wonderful co-founders of the Sabina Project talking to Charlotte James and Dre, last name? Right. Right. Dre, right. There we go. Um, super excited to talk to you guys because we are talking about plant medicine today. We're talking about healing and trauma, especially for BIPOC communities. And these people have a wealth of information. Say hey to everybody, guys. Hello. Hey, hey, what's going down? <laughs> We're really excited because you guys have brought such a, a warmth to, to a, I would say, a difficult topic. And I've gone through a lot of the things that I've read about you and your background. So first start off and just kind of tell everybody who you are, what's your background, and what was the inspiration for the Sabina Project? You go first. Okay. Hey, everyone. My name is Charlotte. Um, I am the co-creator of the Sabina Project. I first, um, Sacred Earth Medicine first came into my life probably around like 10, 11 years ago. And while I didn't have an incredibly intentional practice at that time, I still was able to recognize the incredible healing benefits. And at the same time, I was working in harm reduction in the opioid epidemic. Um, So directly, you know, here in Baltimore City, where we are with um, black and brown communities predominantly. 
And I stepped away from that work and have come back now thanks to having gone on my own or started my own healing journey with sacred earth medicine and just really growing my capacity to serve both myself and my community. Mm -hmm. And um, that's in large part thanks to combo, which is something I'm sure that we'll get into a medicine that um, we work with. And uh, the inspiration for Sabina project, I think just came from like the need, my own need for community um, and seeing, you know, our BIPOC brothers and sisters, you know, interested in working with psychedelics and these medicines for healing, but really mm -hmm. in search of that, like, safe space to ask questions and explore and find support so yeah that's really sure. where that's where we started it's definitely grown from there but that's our our bread and butter yeah right on yeah. what's your background my... dre so what's my background um uh, i'm trying to get like the short abbreviated version of the <laughs> application um i mean me... we've got time you guys <laughs> So, um, you know, about, I think about 12 years ago, um, I had, uh, I was really blessed and, uh, to have a, a, a rebirth experience, um, drinking, sitting down with grandma ayahuasca. Mm. And, um, before that I'd have been like a uh, hundred pounds heavier than I wanted to be. And I work probably like 80 hours a week, um, just like hustling 80. for the dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hustling for the dollar, you know. Um, Working for the man. Yeah. And a, per and a pretty angry person, um, you know, like very trust distrustful of humans and stuff. And so, uh, but I also have been like meditating in martial arts for most of my life. And uh, I said, like, I was about to have a child. And so I needed to like figure the shit out before. Um, well, can I say that on this? Is it okay to like, use? It's called spiritual shit. You oh, spiritual shit. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. You're okay. <laughs> um, before I had, you know, my beautiful star being uh, came into here, and so I um, I sat down and drank ayahuasca, and that was pretty much the. That's really where all of this began, and then Sabina really is, um, you know, I've been blessed and, and grateful to also support people in their healing journeys. And um, at some point, me and Charlotte connected and we realized that what I, what I had always observed and what she also shared with me and we realized was that in many of the spaces where I was sitting with these sacred plant and animal medicines, they were predominantly white spaces. And, you know, that I wanted more people of color to be, have these beautiful experiences since we're dealing with some daily trauma of structural racism, mm -hmm. oppression. Mm -hmm. Right, makes sense that we should be involved. So that's mm -hmm. kind of like we're, uh, you know, we're here to kind of free, free the oppressed, or really free ourselves from like this construct of abuse. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think of no other way that's more effective than these medicines. Mm -hmm. Which is incredible because um, what what I also noticed, uh, not just in my uh, my own journey, but also in my podcast and my audience and things like that. It's it's rare that I see other people of color in these spaces. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's almost like I go looking for it and I can't find it. Um, there was a couple a uh, couple years ago where we were looking uh, to possibly try ayahuasca, um, which I would love for you to explain what ayahuasca is real quick for people who don't know what it is. Sure. So I'm ayahuasca or grandma grandmother medicine is a uh, a tea that's made, uh, well, it's actually like a concentration that's made of uh, shakruna and the ayahuasca vine. And it's boiled down and there's several other herbs and, and that are put in this. And you sit down in a ceremony. Um, I, the way I learned to use these medicines is Shipibo Kanibo way, which is usually at nighttime we sit in a circle. You come up and you drink your glass and then you sit back in your sit spot and you uh, it's normal to purge, um, and depending on how how disconnected you are with your ego, um, and like how unhealthy your food choices have been, you can have some really intense purges. Uh, mm -hmm. For my first ceremony, I purged about forty times in a row. Um, Oof! Yeah, guys. Really when he says purge, he means barf. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. Yeah. that's a nice <laughs> medicine way. Yeah. yeah, vomiting in a bucket. And also had this huge ego. I was like really into this alpha male conversation, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that you know power and control, dominance, like the patriarchy, like all of it was like I was infused with all that nonsense. So, um, so I remember my first ceremony. Decide, oh, anyway, we'll get into that. But mm-hmm. so ayahuasca is. Um, it's a sacred earth medicine that has been used for over 2000 years um, and a really powerful way of like connecting you to the name that you had before your parents were born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the, the cool part about it, I guess, like most people say is they, they come back changed. They come oh. back and have this incredible spiritual experience where mm-hmm. some people see things and they have this like really like, what other people would consider wackadoo type of experience. Um, <laughs> I mean, what we call a mystical experience. Mystical and cool experience. Um, and so I, at some point I thought I was, okay, I want to try this, but I couldn't find a space to try it or do it with indigenous people or people who've, who've learned the plant medicine over their cultures and, um, and lands. And so it was like, I, I really don't want to go someplace upstate New York with, <laughs> you know, people who learned it maybe in like, a year or so, or so, you know, I'm putting my life in their hands essentially mm-hmm. uh, with whatever I'm ingesting. And so I found um, through that process of trying to find, I mean, I'm, I'm part Native American as well. And so trying to dig into my own culture and trying to find people, practitioners to be able to practice this original medicine with and not being able to find them. Yeah. Mm-hmm really disheartened by that like it's like I, I feel like these it came from these places why can't I find that why don't mm-hmm. I have access to that why in the places in which I try to participate are there not anyone who looks like me yeah mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. so like what would like I imagine like that was kind of like the the birth of where you guys started to see where there was kind of a deficit here so in this process what has it been like for you and being able to become practitioners, find practitioners, find communities where this mm. is uh, allowed to be a safe space? Mm. Well, for me, I think, um, you know, I was, I was really fortunate because I, you know, I was, you know, I think this medicine, there's two parts of this medicine. It's like, what does this medicine call you to it? Or do you choose to do this medicines? Um, I'm, I'm more on the, the, the idea that this medicine calls us to it. And I had been kind of like really in a privileged position, right? I had the financial wherewithal to, to sit with these, super expensive to sit with ayahuasca. And then um, in sitting with it and being in these all white spaces, I decided like, I need to start hosting ceremonies my own not not, for, not me actually leading the ceremony but hosting like a space and then encouraging educating black and brown people on this and just being really open and honest and telling everyone about it so I like mm-hmm. that's the key I wasn't I've never been shy about like once I understand that these medicines was good um and then Hold how on. do I I love that you said that once I understood that these medicines are good right. there is a big uh, amount of stigma that comes with oh, the huge. idea of utilizing these methods. Yeah. Oh, a- absolutely huge. I was a total like Boy Scout. Like you were like a <laughs> yeah. I was like I was not. So I had to break that much stigma. But you were a real yeah. square. I was like, and I mean that's a huge yeah. barrier in our communities, right? Yeah. That of itself, yeah. like the, it's the of brainwashing, right? And like the legacy of um, the still active war on drugs mm. is that our communities like do think that these are drugs and that they're bad as opposed to understanding that it's medicine and it's medicine that come from our traditions. Like it has been a part of all spiritual traditions Mm -hmm. across the globe. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. so really trying to like re yeah, reposition that narrative in our community specifically. Yeah. Break down the the politicization of that like why these particular medicines have been considered drugs and then taken away from indigenous communities? Mm. Well, that's typical of whiteness, right? Yeah. We see that, you know, look it's at the process of conversation. Yeah. Right. They take the medicine, right? They demonize us for using the medicines, right? Or, and our traditions. And then at some point they commodify, yeah, the appropriate commoditize and commercialize it, like tobacco, right? Mm. Chocolate. Mm-hmm. Right. T- chocolate, right. You know, um, so this is just like, this is just par for the course. Cannabis. Right. Same, mm, same thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of it is, is that, you know, um, 
in our awakening, we're realizing that it's not just about, it's every part of this culture of colonization that we have to question. It's all broken, right? And we have to question and dismantle all of it. And in that process, you, you realize all these things that you've been told could be actually a lie. And why would we trust the, trust a culture that justified stealing people from another country, enslaving them, abusing them, right? And we still live in, we st even today in this modern world, we still live in a, play, in, a, in a society where in America, like a woman has a likely chance of being sexually assaulted, right? We live in that rea reality. So why would we black trust- Black we get, you know, black folks are getting shot unarmed, regardless of armed yeah. or unarmed. Black folks are being murdered on the streets by cops, right? Yeah. Like it's- yeah. We're still in living in the legacy of these systems that yeah. started with colonization and medicine like is intrinsically a part of that. Yeah, and it's and it's about like stripping us from our connection with the earth, mm. from our spiritual traditions mm -hmm. that have kept us right. strong and surviving. Right. It's like a whole. Yeah, it's a whole system of of oppression that includes our spiritual ways. Yeah. And then it's also really costly. Mm -hmm. Right. We're asking mm -hmm. people to pay like, you know, upwards of three hundred and fifty dollars a night to sit to someplace and vomit in a bucket. <laughs> bucket. Mm -hmm. Just you know, uh, yeah, come pay me to burn you and vomit in a bucket, <laughs> like burn your skin, <laughs> burn holes in your skin, and stuff like that. Yeah, like you know, so uh, it, it's it's that, and uh, you know, so there's a big, big accessibility issue here. And then I remember this in the cannabis industry when we were getting a medical bill and a decrim bill passed. And we uh, we organized lots of groups, but I, I noticed that most of the African-American groups or the people of color didn't want to have anything to do those groups with this until after, until after we got a law passed, uh -huh. right? A lot, we, what I saw was a lot of affluent African-Americans uh, you know, now interested in the cannabis industry in, in Maryland. But when we were working to get those laws passed, I remember the, yeah, the NAACP like put their name on, but they did absolutely nothing to push, mm -hmm. push to those pass. It was basically ACLU and some, and um, uh, marijuana policy project that came in as we developed, established momentum and got the laws passed. Um, Cause they don't want to mess with it if it was illegal. Right. No, yeah. no. Well, also there's like, right. It's, it's the stigmatism right around it. But if you think about what, what most people in my generation who were successful, you know, from this cultural perspective, in order to do that, you had to be comfortable in a structure of abuse. Right. Yeah. You and so you assimilated. Right. Yeah. And you, you, I was a boy scout and like, I, I was like, just don't say no to drugs, all drugs, alcohol, and everything else is on the same thing, right? And I had like a top secret security clearance, like and all this stuff. I joined the military, like a lot of, it's very easy to get sucked into this culture. And then and then you get the splash of cold water in your face when you start doing these medicines. You're like, oh my God, I'm participating in this abuse, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm brainwashed, I'm participating in my own brainwashing. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. mm. That's that's pretty deep because I think that I mean even myself the first time I tried weed I was like ooh I mean at thirty maybe I'm thirty six now maybe thirty mm -hmm. thirty one somewhere around there uh, my friends had already been trying it but I was like I'm not about to get caught and get a, a huge heavy sentence because I'm yeah. and so I like I took it very seriously and I grew up uh, a very very Christian and so that was like that wasn't okay unless it was legal I can't do it um, <laughs> and so the the first time I tried it I was like what's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> this is right. it. Me too. Me too. I was like, what? I don't get this. <laughs> I, don't get, I thought I was going to have some wacky, crazy experience where I was like tripping on balls yeah. and stuff. And it was yeah. like, it was, it yeah. was nothing. I was like, I actually feel relaxed for the first time in my life. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Yes. This is my first experience with cannabis. I was the same thing. Same. But 40 was... years old. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> same. So Charlotte. <laughs> That's okay. But also all of my introductions mm -hmm. to uh, what I will now call medicine were all with white folks. Mm -hmm. yep. yeah. mm -hmm. Like right. first I had cannabis, mm -hmm. white cousin, mm -hmm. first I had Molly, mm -hmm. white roommate, first I mm -hmm. had mm -hmm. LSD, also white roommate, you know, like all mm -hmm. of it was. And so through that, I think we like started to 
we just identified a need that we both had and that the community had and that's like where where we got started well is we should probably tell the story of how we met oh yeah (laughs) yeah so i had been doing my my own thing and like in my groups of friends would you know uh do psychedelic exploration and was always like in my group of friends like the person that was quote unquote leading right and um and through that I was like dang this would be really powerful to have circles for black folks like medicine circles for black folks then I'm in my co-working space this person I know walks in and they have combo marks on their arms so combo is uh frog medicine from the amazon um same region that ayahuasca is from and in order to administer frog medicine like where they lick their back no that no. is do not lick frogs that's a misconception no one lick any frogs don't lick the frogs don't lick them stop licking frogs they, they don't like that they sing to the frogs the frogs come down from the trees and they um right. they collect a secretion okay. that is from the frogs you know back region but they collect it and then um you like administer through these uh gates that burned on the skin so i saw someone come into my co-working space they had the gates and i was like oh shit i know what that is um and i had just started on this like thought process around medicine circles and psychedelics and race Mm -hmm. and i like very uh just like (laughs) i was like oh i bet you went to some white shaman (laughs) and then (laughs) no actually it's this black guy here in baltimore and i was like a black man serving medicine in Baltimore city. And then, yeah, they, they sent me to Dre. And the first conversation we had, <laughs> Dre was like, I'm about to school this young kid out here <laughs> to serve this medicine because he thought that I wanted to, similar to what you're saying, he thought that I was calling to be like, I want to start serving Iowa. Right. And I was right. like, no, sir. Right, right. <laughs> and then I thought she was saying only to people to like excluding other people. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I was I don't like, know who kind of was at first. I'm in a different place now. I'm in a different place now. That's what integration circle is for. But I, yeah. And I was like, well, so here's the thing about transcendence, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's about. Let me spiritual bypass you real quick. <laughs> all right. I'm we know we're a love of everyone, right? And then this is really important, right? To connect with all beings, make no loving, make no loving kindness, right? All of our relatives, yeah. the, pl- the, the plant people, the rock people, and human beings, even right. the ones that don't look like us. So we all are experiencing trauma and abuse in this in this society. Even the even if you have like perfect parents and all the privilege in the world, the birthing process is kind of intense, right? right. In this warm, comfortable space, you're hearing your mama's heartbeat, and all of a sudden, whoosh, you're out as bright lights, all these stinky, loud people, <laughs> and, you know. And it's now true. you got to eat and breathe on your own. What the fuck, yeah. you know? So like, this is an intense process of of being being human, and um, so. We all need this, and I think this—that's what these spaces are not about isolating yourselves, right? They are, though, mm. the integration process, right? The what happens after ceremony. I think it, it there is strong merit because there are things that I experience and endure right after that ceremony is over. I am still living in a structure of oppression and abuse. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You are not, and so you can just make better decisions in your life, right? And yeah. life is a little bit better. But in reality, I still have to worry about the police officer pulling me over or the person mm-hmm. who's going to mistreat me at work or, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. stuff you saw on January 6th. Mm-hmm. I think. No, th- <laughs> but you went, off sure. from, you went off from how we no. met. Sorry, like I do these tangents. You got to like little rain. <laughs> rain, so then- rain. So he like schooled me, whatever. I was like, best. Yes. Yes. Okay, like honestly, in my head, I was like, this older black man. No, but the understand. way you schooled me, let's so let's let's be clear. I <laughs> I was I said to her, well, yep, I said to her, like, yes, I can do we can do ceremony, but it has to be open to other, blah, 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 blah. Probably like 10 minutes. And then she says to me, then this is listen, millennials, listen, this is how you get old people to listen to you. <laughs> she didn't like show me how stupid I was and get like all snarky with big language. She said, Oh, well, that's interesting. I have tickets to an all black uh, psychedelic conference that's happening this weekend. Why don't you join me? And I was like, Oh, this is a <laughs> master. This is the master I'm going to teach. So I went to this thing and it was 
full of a room of beautiful people of color who are all saying the same thing, that they don't feel safe in spaces that, it, it, that are only white. And that many of them have, have experienced trauma at yeah. these spaces that what they're trying to heal by some person telling them that their experience is something they should just let go of and get over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not having the supports in place for what you were saying, like right. for doing one, any integration, because we see that happening mm-hmm. a lot in this space, right? Yeah. That there are a lot of practitioners who um, don't have a structure of preparation and integration right. for their clients. Right. Um, and then that during the integrate during the ceremonial or integration process or preparation, even yeah. there are many moments at which you could theoretically re-traumatize someone. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Don't tread carefully, absolutely. you know. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, we're really trying to like in the in the psychedelic space, harm reduction looks like yes you know, the health concerns, making sure we're doing intakes and asking folks questions about their their health history and all of that. But it's right. also like the spiritual and emotional harm reduction right. and making yeah. sure that we're holding space for anything to come up and to come up without judgment. Right. And I think yeah. this is really important because when we're talking about like safe space, for instance, uh, yeah. I, my, uh, the predominant of my show is white. So those of you guys listening, this is an education lesson that's going on right now. And it's important, but it's important because what you said is after, for instance, after we get out of ceremony, the way in which we have to behave and and can come back into the world is layered and different than yeah. some mm-hmm. person of color, at least in mm-hmm. this, especially in this culture. And so for us not to have the tools available to us to be able to reintegrate what it is that we learned about ourselves and our emotion and our trauma and so on, and not to have support after that, or to have people say, oh yeah, it's just love and light and everything is fine and law of attraction and manifestation. And it's like, yeah, but my, 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 my father just got pulled over and almost killed by a cop or which has happened to me that has actually happened to me so like things like that there's there are are experiences that uh people of color are having that that people of non-color are not having and unfortunately in some of these spaces that i've been in there's a lot of what feels like gaslighting like you're you're having these experiences and saying i can't get over specific traumas i had a girl come in my dms the other day who um I had made a meme post about what happened at the Capitol and um, whatever. I just reposted something that someone else said. And they said, you, we all know what would happen if those people were black. And so she found, and I couldn't find it anywhere, but she found uh, some article that some Canadian person wrote that said that two black Panther people went into the Capitol armed in the sixties or seventies or whatever. And they were escorted out. They weren't shot. And mm-hmm. then she sent me a, a clip or something. And then it said underneath it, she said, duality is a prison. And I thought, what, what does that mean? I said, why did you think that you need, what was your intention in sending that? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, because you said that they would be shot. And here's proof that there's a couple of black people who went up here who wasn't shot. I said, first of all, it wasn't thousands of black people that came up there. Second, armed. they were armed. <laughs> um, if like, I tried to look up the article, I couldn't find it, but either way I said, okay, tell me, tell me why you feel that it's okay to come into my DMs and talk to me about a situation that I'm already feeling very triggered by, layered, like from my, my past, from my, my epigenetics, from my lineage, whatnot, about what I'm experiencing and watching what's on TV right now and how that's traumatizing me. Cause we're, we, we all, everybody's doing the flashback to last summer and what experiences people of color were having not because they were trying to create an insurgent, like, but because they were fighting to stay alive. Right. And I was like, so we can't even compare the two if you want to do right. that first. But yeah. second, what this, what you're doing here is very harmful because right. you're trying to gaslight me and say, this doesn't exist. Right. It's just right. the media. It's just, I, I'm so desperate for everyone to quote unquote, wake up. And I said, honey, the media hasn't been doing this for 400 years. Like you, like you can't come into my space and try to tell me about what I've experienced and, and give me some one anecdotal thing so you can feel better. Right. And so when I, when I do, what I do experience when I do encode the spiritual spaces sometimes is that that happens as well, where it's like, I still can't get over this hump because you're not, you, the, the white practitioner are not addressing some of the more layered traumas that I have to experience. And that's why I think it's important for people who are listening to understand why black people don't feel safe 
in these right. spaces yeah. because they don't feel that their experiences get to be validated. No, yeah, no, absolutely not. It's so interesting, right? This is one of the things we, uh, we, we can see in these communities where lots of people are doing these medicines, right? But yet this structure of abuse is still pervasive, right? right? In many different fronts. And many of these people are in positions of power and control to fix these things, but magically there. Like how crazy it is if for any, for any other abuse, if no one would ever consider challenging you like that, right? Right. You know, but for some reason, with this type of this yeah, this yeah. particular type of a brand of abuse, which we experience on a daily basis, people feel comfortable justifying yeah. suffering. It's <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. And part of the issue for me is that when we, you know, in the West, what you have is young people having these experiences mm -hmm. and leading the way. In in traditional ways, it is the elders who are bringing you to a rite of passage. And mm -hmm. you're doing these medicines for two reasons, to better yourself so you, you could be a more greater participant for the entire community, right? And what you see is people going to deal with their alcohol addiction, right? But they don't deal with all of the abuses that the rest of us are feeling. Like it's okay, let me just focus on myself so I could be a more efficient, grinder of other human beings in this crazy capitalist society mm -hmm. this is the this insanity has to stop which is why so many black folks are saying you know people of color period are saying like i don't even want to do i don't want to do these medicines in these spaces anymore it just feels mm -hmm. safe yeah um, yeah i mean if we look at one of the the most entertaining and also troubling headlines of this last uh January 6th, what are, we, what are we calling it? Is it a coup attempt, insurrection? Like was a whatever. Celebration. Terrorism. <laughs> Terrorism. Um, the dude that like has been getting a lot of play with the horns and the blue face yeah. and the shirtless and the whatever is like a dude who calls himself a shaman online and mm -hmm. is like big in quote unquote advocating for psychedelics. And if we think about those experience and then is also like a huge QAnon uh, yeah like conspiracy theorists so if we think that i was talking to a friend once um shout out to my girl eliza about what happens when you don't do integration mm -hmm. and then frequently these downloads that we get or these insights can like go to make us a better human and like we can incorporate and integrate them into our lives and into our daily practices or like you could also have an ego death experience and then have it inflate your ego, I think. Absolutely. Because yeah. you're like, I'm a God. You're a God. I'm a, I have an inner guru. I am the guru, right? right. And it just like- I am the God. I am the God, And right? everything else is just, uh, you know, a- uh, A veil of perception of what I just, right? Or, right, or this very like, oh, well, you're just living in the 3D. Yes, yeah. I am 3D. I'm a human being and I live in this body. So- I think I, had a whole like, I feel like you posted about this one time. Yes. We had a whole episode about this. I have like, an entire episode about this. Yeah, like I don't care how many times you've sat with the medicine and how hard you sweat it out in sweat lodge and whatever. If you can't figure out how to take your personal transformation and have it uh, impact our collective liberation, it really is not. It's not doing much for me. You are not woke if you can't wake everybody else up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 Um, and this tendency, right? And then in the conversation around sustainability, I saw a really great meme recently that was this like hippie dude walking out of a cave with a shadow crawling behind him. And the guy's like, well, guess I got to go do more psychedelics. And the shadow's behind being like, bro, please integrate me. <laughs> <laughs> give like, me a hug. Give me a hug. And I was give like, that's it. Like, First off, these are sacred medicines. They're not infinite and we need to respect them. So there's not a need to just constantly running back to the medicine because that becomes a form of escapism. Right. As opposed to coming to the medicine with intention and then integrating the insights you have to actually improve your 3D experience because you can't just constantly exist in the 5D. Like that's yeah. not. Yeah. Just, well, that goes back to what, we, what I first talked about, about like, does the medicine call you or do you, you choose? Like this is... 100% a relationship you're building with all these medicines yes. to include like LSD and MDMA and things that are made by, by humans. Um, 
it's it's a sacred relationship that you're building with them and a respectful one like you know how are you introduce yourself right to these medicines yeah. here. So, and you know it's also a good idea that to to work with people who are experienced at supporting you in holding space um, yeah. right and you know, we know that psychotherapy, for example, like the, this is new uh, conversation about like there's not enough, people but there's not enough people of color that yeah. that in this in yeah. this you know in that movement. We need to have more people that are therapists uh, that are of color supporting other people of color because we don't feel safe in those spaces too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and there is. Uh... I feel like there's a surge on this conversation on microdosing. I heard you say something. Yeah, yeah let's talk there's about There's like, it. yeah, there's a lot of conversation happening around microdosing, microdosing because I think great. for a lot of people, I mean, one, it is amazing. I'm yeah. like, I think microdosing is great, 100%. but also I think for a lot of people, it feels like a safe entry point for mm -hmm. them. Um, the misconception that I have been seeing a lot though recently that I would love to clear up is that a microdose should be subperceptual. So if you can sense your, like, if you're like, oh, I'm microdosing now, then that's actually just a small the dose of that medicine. Right. Is like having it work on a subperceptual level where it's like helping you to reroute your ways of thinking. So it's definitely much subtler. It is. But if you are, you know, in our plant medicine work, a lot of what we do is subtly, right? We, oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. So absolutely, if, absolutely. I would say that if a person's mirror is really clean, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning you've, if you're, if you've done lots of work supporting, like reflecting on your own stuff and doing your own in personal inventory, that you do get to a place where your body's not so pickled and you mm -hmm. do feel those little, you can yes. be connected. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Agreed. Um, yeah. Now, speaking of what you guys do, um, because I, I was reading and I was like, are they doing psilocybin? Are they doing other things? I read that you, you're doing everything that's legal as far as the U.S. goes, as far as what you're packaging. So <laughs> there's a lot of winking going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. So tell me, tell me more about that. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, can you give me some descriptions of some of the medicines and how they help people unpack some of this trauma? Mm -hmm. So there's, um, you know, everything starts with sage. Sage is a really beautiful uh, plant medicine, spirit energy to, to get and connect with tobacco, the mapacho, um, sananga, haipei. Um, combo treatments is, mm -hmm. is uh, a treatment that we offer and combo is a secretion of a, the green tree monkey frog. Uh, how do you, what's the Latin name? You, you say it Phila all the time. Phila medusa bicolor or whatever, <laughs> right? Um, and, uh, you know, we, that's secretions that we open up gates on your skin um, and we put the medicine on there in about three to five minutes, you're going to have a deep purge and cleanse on the physical, mental, and the cellular level and mm. spiritual level as well. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that happen before that. Like we'd spend a lot of time on preparing a person to be, you know, to set their intentions for ceremony. Mm -hmm. We usually encourage people to do three treatments within a 28 day lunar cycle. Um, and it, it is, it's a little intense because you're drinking like two liters of water and you're going to purge that two liters of water out in about 20 to 40 minutes, uh, but it's okay. Um, what I can tell you what we've seen, um, you know, over, I mean, since I've been um, sharing this medicine and supporting about a hundred people a year, what I see is that those folks don't have, well, first of all, COVID-19 is, is not an issue. Uh, for mm -hmm. those folks. I don't know if that's anecdotal, but certainly I know that my immune system is a lot stronger than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. uh, when I started using uh, combo and, and uh, using this uh, sacred medicine. Uh, so that's a really great way for people to really detoxify themselves um, and support cleansing themselves, all the trauma that that's stored. Um, I encourage people, those people who don't think that they have a lot of trauma in their body, just start from your from the day you were born and, and create a map with dates and all the times that your body has experienced trauma, right? Mm. 
And all that stuff is stored into you until you start you know, purging and letting go, letting go of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then there's... Um, we work with hape as oh, yeah. well, or hape, mm-hmm. which is a shamanic tobacco snuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's really beautiful about that medicine is that it is legal and it's a medicine that you can begin to build a practice with on your own. So Mm -hmm. we actually do virtual ceremonies where we send medicine packages to participants and then we come together on Zoom and Mm -hmm. we have meditation and sound healing. And um, I saw the Vogue uh, writer for your article uh, she did that practice and I was laughing because she was like, I was trying so hard not to sneeze, but COVID uh, era. Yeah, she was like, that COVID happened. era reflex really helped <laughs> me. Not, not. <laughs> um, so that medicine um, for me is like a huge, uh, like couple times a week uh, practice mm-hmm. at least. Um, grounding, grounding, clearing, mm-hmm. like balancing the chakras, yes, pineal gland, um, the calcification. I've been using it a lot. Like if I have maybe like, if I have a lot on my mind, it's yeah. a really good, like, um, meditation enhancer mm-hmm. and it helps you get to that sort of more focused space, mm-hmm. uh, and then mm-hmm. carry that feeling through your day. Mm-hmm. Um, like the clean slate medicine, we call clean it. Clean slate medicine. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. you, when you when you blow high pay, it, you know a lot of times we use high pay in ceremony is to prepare for like sitting with grandma or sitting with um, San Pedro or peyote combo. or combo street. Yeah, definitely combo to really get you prepared to ground you mm-hmm. you into that, um, that ceremonial space. I always like to imagine that there's a from your tailbone to the center of the earth. There's a a string, right? Mm-hmm. And the roots are grounding you into mm-hmm. the earth and connected mm-hmm. to the spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I came for my first combo ceremony, I was definitely like, I mean, you're nervous, which I think, or you know, we always say is really just like a sign of respect. Like you understand mm-hmm. it's Absolutely. you're stepping into, right? Um, but the minute the hape, he blew the hape, I was like, oh, I'm not thinking about anything. Right. <laughs> I was it's like, clear. man, we're right here yeah. and we're doing a thing here now. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's really powerful. Causing you to be present. Yeah. What's interesting about, I just want to share share like what's so interesting about this. So combo treatment is legal. It has no contraindications and probably one of the most effective things you could do for your immune system outside of fasting for seven days. Hmm. You fasted for seven days, you have a complete reset of, of your body. But, and yet so many people don't know about it. Yeah. Right? I've never heard of it. I mean, there was just a... It's like starting to get that little mainstream attention. It was like in a a big newspaper recently. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, New York Times article. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I hated that article. Yeah, I wasn't really into it, but mm-hmm. uh, it was still, you know, it's like part of the part of the conversation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that it people view it as a quote unquote extreme thing. Like I've seen it ex. ex- <laughs> I saw it described as an ordeal medicine. No. And I was like, I was like, what does that mean? Such an, an exaggeration. I don't, I don't, I don't um, but I think that because like in our Western understanding of what health and healing is, um, it seems like a very intense or, or extreme uh, medicine to choose, but it's like, I mean, we're all constantly sitting in our own discomfort all oh, yeah. the time. So like, yeah. it's not more extreme. It's it's really like getting you well. Right. Mm-hmm. So what are you willing to sacrifice in order to get well? Right. So yeah. it's yeah, it's interesting. So combo treatment, which lasts for about 40 minutes. And that part of that is a nice nap in the tuck in you're going to get. That's for about 40 minutes, right? Uh, chemotherapy. To mm-hmm. me, that's extreme, right? Yeah. Like putting poison or antibiotics that are yeah. stat drugs that are actually killing your mitochondria and making it difficult for you to live. That to me is extreme, but purging is all about getting well. It's like mm-hmm. letting go of the trauma that's been stored in your body. But this is part of how we've been, uh, you know, we've been brainwashed mm-hmm. to think things uh, about uh, about uh, medicines, you know, natural medicines. Mm-hmm. This is why I cry when I throw up. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a release. It's a purge. It's a like I hate throwing up. So as soon as they said that that was going to happen, I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. And then one of my friends was checking me and they were like, because you don't want to let go. And I was like, oh, come on. Now. <laughs> <laughs> 
put me on Fresh Street like that. All right. Hey, right, 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 right. <laughs> so, so can you talk to me a little bit um, more about like uh, the the areas in which these medicines that you're practicing with and in, in, um, you know, originated from? Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Masais, the Yamanawa, um, Katakina tribes use these medicines. The story is that in the Amazon region, yeah, in the Amazon okay. region, um, that um, a healer, his his tribe was sick, and mm-hmm. the, you know the medicine men man went and sat with Grandma Ayahuasca, uh, which is which is a typical thing to do, is a dieta, right? And yeah, the dieta which is like a diet where you go in the jungle in isolation and you either sit with, with grandma and in combination with, uh, with another plant to learn its song. Um, this is also, I'm, I'm speaking specifically about how the Shipibo work with this medicine. I, I can't really speak to other, the other lineages that use it differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in, in general, coranderos uh, or healers, you know, they, they experiment with these plants, right? They mm-hmm. sit in the jungle in isolation and fasting to see with these plants. And in that dieta, he saw, he was, he was shown by ayahuasca how to use this frog, how to, how to attract the frog to him and to gently, uh, you know, remove the medicine from the frog, the secretion from the skin, and then use that to heal this tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, Mercedes also use it as um, to get them prepared for a hunt. Um, mm-hmm. They usually would do ayahuasca and sananga uh, and high pay to prepare them for a hunt. It, you know, it, it, the, the calcium, I mean, the uh, detoxification makes it so that a lot of the toxins that they're in the food they're eating, they don't smell human uh, in the jungle. Uh, and they also have lots more stamina uh, and they can handle running through a triple canopy forest that's raining and, and yeah. wet and not get sick uh, with these medicines. So that's how I learned about that's how how I knew what the combo um, marks were or gates were mm-hmm. when I saw this person in my co-working space was that when I was younger, I had seen a, nat- a National Geographic um, mm. special on these uh, indigenous groups yeah. and had seen them like using combo and Sananga um, for the purpose of hunting. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You would hear so in this process of all this knowledge that you guys have acquired and what it is that you've been discovering all along, um, mm. how has it been as far as you attracting this demographic in order to, to attract healing? Because, I mean, you just mentioned combo. I have never heard of it before. And I'm technically, quote unquote, in this space. Um, and being mm. able to talk to to other people, like even, even trying to find practitioners to be on the show where people of color has been its own task by itself. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. is it word of mouth that people are finding you? Or are you going out into community specifically and, and targeting certain groups? How, how are you able to find that demographic? Uh, I mean, <sighs> or are they call, being called to you? Not to us. I think no. we just kind of, we, we, I would say that we created a platform and there's so yeah. much need in the space that, you know, look, so first thing is, is we were both seekers all of our lives. And I think probably you were too. And most yeah. people who do these medicines, we're, we're, we know that there's something more powerful and deeper than just the, the stuff that we're told. And so we're seekers and there's lots of folks. And, but typically you're a seeker when you're in a place where your primary needs are easily met and you have a little bit of the stress, right? To do these things. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Right. So I think what's happened is there's a lot, there's a lot more people of color who, you know, are just have, you know, they're frustrated. They've been seeking, they've been frustrated. They've mm-hmm. been finding out and reading the internet is since 1986, we have more access to all the information that's out there. And that's, that's a really a big part of how we mm-hmm. uh, people are attracted to our group. And we're, we're really thankful for that too. Yeah. Luckily. I think also, you know, we started last year pre pandemic and we were very like locally focused. Mm-hmm. We we're going to do things yeah. in Baltimore city. Mm-hmm. Everything got shut down and we were like, well, I mean, this space is still needed. So why don't we just start holding integration circles, BIPOC integration circles virtually. And I think that's like really where it all started. Now we, you know, we offer a number of, of other things, but um, being like a space that holds, you know, there are three groups that hold virtual BIPOC integration circles. Mm. Uh, and we were, there were other groups doing them non-virtually and we were the first group to, to do it virtually. And I think it just was like, exploded like people were like oh this space exists 
and I think people who were maybe nervous about working with the medicine then were like, oh, but if I have a journey and something comes up, now I have a space to talk about it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and support systems. So like, let me try and try and do that. Uh, And the pandemic, it's just been an interesting combination of things. Everyone's, I think a lot more people are spending time in going inward Mm -hmm. um, and getting to know themselves and uh, black and brown folks are getting more connected to our ancestral traditions. And there's also less and less this idea of like black people as a monolith or brown yeah. people as a monolith. Right. You know, like now you can find black and brown people in all of the sort of what would have been seen as like weird white niches before psychedelics being one of them. Um, I love seeing black cosplayers. I think that's really dope. <laughs> what um, did you call what is cosplayers, cosplayers who do like the anime dress up stuff? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Just because it's a thing that like those, you know, blurs always existed, but they're the ability to come out and then have community. I think mm-hmm. that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Like community mm-hmm. is medicine. The, mun- the minute yeah. that you're like, oh, there's someone else that I could talk to about this. Mm-hmm. You get way more comfortable sharing. Yeah. 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 And just to kind of highlight it's like for people to understand um, when you're in a, minor- a minority group of some sort, um, it, it would be the same. I had to talk, uh, you know, kind of educate one of my friends. Uh, we went into a bar and she was like, look at this bar. It's so cool. It's so diverse. And oh. I was like, this place is not diverse. And <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? And she's, she's like, oh, you know, like, and I'm looking around and I said, there is one other black person in here or brown person at, singly, like that's it. So this wouldn't be a space I would be, I would consider as diverse. And she was like, why do you always have to look at it like that, Aaliyah? And why am blah, blah, blah? Like, I wasn't even like, I don't think about that. And I'm like, because you don't have to. Right. And, and right. so then having, because, and I think this is important for you guys who are listening to hear this because I said, how would it have felt if I took you to a place where it was only black people and you were the only white person in there? You would notice. Now, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you would have been afraid. It doesn't mean that you would have been like, let me get out of here. Like maybe you would have been like, this is a vibe, let's go. But <laughs> at the same time, you would have noticed. And so in that way, especially in these types of spaces, this is something as an awareness, your, your body does it naturally out of safety. Like, are we assess like from, from tribal times, like, is this a threat? Is this not a threat or whatever? So regardless, don't say you don't see color. Like, don't say you don't see, like, if, if you were, if you were to walk in a room, if you're a woman and you walked in a room full of men, what would your thought be? It's the same thing. So um, I remember asking my friend, my guy friend, that well, how would you feel if you walked into a room full of women? He said, I feel psyched. Like, it's not the same for women. Yeah. Don't feel psyched. No. So no. in that way, to be able to be observant of something and not to negate it or bypass it or gaslight someone who's feeling that in order right. for them to have comfort in a space that requires such a high level of vulnerability. Right. Require, like, I mean, you purging and sitting here, you know, like you're peeing your pants because you're throwing up so much. Like, you have to be in a space where you feel safe. Right. And if I were to, you know, ask you guys a question, because there are so many people out here that reach out to me, how can I be an ally? How can I be? Because the, the goal is not to have everything separated, right? Like Absolutely. the goal is to have safety. So what would your, your advice be as far as being able to guide people who are trying to learn more about this process, who may not be BIPOC people uh, or brown and black people, um, how, how do they respond? Mm. Well, first of all, to, to be clear, the only thing that we... Our integration circles, the first and the third, are the only time uh, that those are BIPOC only, mm-hmm. right? But anyone who is looking to heal themselves, right? So that the issue is how, how they approach with us is like, what is your intention? Mm-hmm. The reason why, like, if you're looking for, to have an experience, go someplace else. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to do your work, right, to learn the name that you chose before your parents were born, come, let's, let's have a conversation because we're here to help others heal so we can heal the world that's like the prerequisite Mm -hmm. for like it's the the intention by by um and then you know i i think this need for people of privilege to feel comfortable in these conversations has to stop Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. yeah right you have to you you listen we've been uncomfortable people of color have been uncomfortable our entire existence i've known about racism and that my uh, and the in the and the issues or the, the trauma that I was going to have to endure since I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry you're uncomfortable with the conversation <laughs> that your friend is having, enlightening you, but like, just sit back and listen. 
-hmm. And how you can support us, this space, is that we, well, we have a mutual ceremony fund. We do that because the, there's an accessibility issue in terms of cost for these mm -hmm. meds, right? And so we, we, we want to be able to take care of the healers who are spending lots of time and light of their life learning how to do these medicines and share these medicines safely with people but, and compensate them fairly and well. And also allow that space for people who, who are not as privileged mm -hmm. to, to do that mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. We also, um, at towards the end of last year, we ran the first part of an anti-psychedelic oh, yeah. anti-racism uh, yeah. series mm -hmm. that really focused on this idea that white folks have also been colonized. Absolutely. Right? And have also been separated from mm -hmm. their mm -hmm. indigenous animist shamanic traditions mm -hmm. and instead of like running around the world trying to find everybody else's traditions and like gobble them up a good place to start is really just reconnecting with your own ancestry uh -huh, and understanding your own lineage mm -hmm. bring that into ceremony like bring me some weird odin nordic germanic witchy shit right and like bring that into the into the modern as opposed to um connected and then picking from other from other folks so that um course is available in workbook form actually on our website and it goes through like just framework definitions of anti-racism spiritual bypassing intersectionality really understanding what white supremacy truly means on a systemic level uh, and then just takes folks through like a couple pages of meditation and journaling prompts mm -hmm. that re that you know ask you to really sit and be honest with yourself right and to sit in that discomfort um and then to try and find the beauty of like reconnecting with your own ancestry, mm -hmm. building a spiritual practice around that and um, you know, using that to inform how you contribute to our collective liberation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. the and the, the question, the question that I um, always ask white folks to answer, two questions now is one, why is racism bad for you? Um, I think sometimes white folks when they when you really get down into it, they struggle to answer that question. And then the other question is, what are you willing to s sacrifice specifically to dismantle white supremacy? Mm. Uh, and a lot of people would be like, I see, we get a lot of comments on this post that are like, I'll sacrifice. I'm willing to sacrifice everything. I'll sacrifice anything. I get to specific like. Do you have a job title? Do you have disposable income? Do you have a board seat on your at your company, nonprofit, whatever it is? Like, and are you willing to sacrifice that to in the name of white supremacy? Uh, reparations. And reparations. Right. Yeah. So, like, you know, like this is the conversation. You your land, if you're looking to sacrifice, we need some, we need land, right? And we need and money, and we, and money because like we don't. <laughs> actually need you to create we don't need to create a whole bunch of social programs that are band-aids right yeah. for poverty right and poor conditioning what we need is equity mm -hmm. all the way around so whatever yeah. that means we need equity yeah. and then we need our reparations right so that we can you know send our children to whatever schools we choose to send them to and have them the best health care for them as possible instead of asking you to support us and like uh, mm -hmm. hand that we're actually even not a hand now because you just really we were getting paid back for all the free labor. Yeah, seriously. Um, um, so so yeah. that's important to note because a lot of people were like, "What the hell is reparations? And what's the, what's the point? We're just giving handouts to black people or whatever." And it's like, no, it's for the free labor. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome it's kind of a weird thing too though in the sense of like well the, when all the stuff that went down last summer happened i had people uh I, I someone told me put your venmo up and just and just keep it on your link like for um yeah. link in bio or whatever and then i started getting people paying me and saying like like reparate or something like that reparations or whatever and i felt so weird about it because i was like what what is this um one because i'm doing this work with the, the the podcast right i don't get paid for the podcast the podcast is just because i want to bring this information out there um but there was a lot of what then i would receive is guilt 
um and behind it and i was like i just i, I don't want to feel that either like that yeah, makes yeah, me yeah. feel uncomfortable yeah um which you know actually let's let's save this topic and talk about this in the the patreon because the, i would really like to dig into this um and since this doesn't necessarily have to do with plant medicine we'll be able okay. to cut yeah, this off for here but yeah, yeah. um if if we were to give a lasting thought for everybody about what it is as far as what availability accessibility and the benefit of plant medicine what would your lasting thought be to leave with uh, our listeners mm. Wow. So surrender, right, mm. to, to these medicines. You, uh, The first thing is I would approach these all these traditions, even, and I want to include cannabis in that relationship, like develop a respectful relationship like you would do with anyone else. Introduce yourself, ask for permission to, to work with this medicine, ask what, this, what you can do for this medicine. Um, mm -hmm. And then relax, release, and allow, That's like good. you relax, release, and allow surrender is so important. Um, and challenge all of your construct. If you were to, if you were to write on a piece of paper, all the things that you know, because you experience those things. And then another side of that sheet of paper, all the things, you know, because you told, uh, it's, it's a really, I'm not even going to spoil, give you a spoiler, spoiler alert. You'll see it on your own. You'll see that the truth on your own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last thought is mm -hmm. do these medicines, please, because they're great, they're efficacious for your body, mind, and spirit, your environment, and your community, right? But it's also your environment and community. This is not just about you, right? Yeah. It's about healing yourself so that you can heal the rest of the planet mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and stop trying to minimize other people's trauma. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. If we could say that louder for the people in the back. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That that to me like hits home. <laughs> um, so before we go, can you guys tell everybody where the where to find you? Yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Sabina Project. And you can find us online at the Sabinaproject.com. We didn't even get into that. No, what? Where our name comes from. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, it's Maria Sabina. Yeah. We have time to tell that story? Do, yeah, real quick, yeah. Okay, she's going to okay, okay. Maria Sabina was a Mazatec curandera in southern Mexico. She was manipulated into providing ceremony for a white man who was CIA-funded. He was an amateur mycologist. She did the ceremony, asked him to promise not to, like, share it publicly, publicize it. He came back to the U.S., put it in Life magazine with her picture, and her town was then besieged as like the hippie psychedelic revolution wave one happened. Um, this had a lot of negative consequences for her. She is currently like very much respected as an elder in the community and a medicine person who protected these ways. But no. there was definitely a period of time where she was not, she was excommunicated. Her home was burned down. Her son was murdered all because, uh, white folks came in and started eating up all these mushrooms to the point that the Mazatec people couldn't even perform their own spiritual rites. Um, and so, you know, just another, we're always looking to honor our ancestors. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, she is like very much held up in like a pop culture way is introducing the West to, to mushrooms, but this like true story um, of how that happened is rarely told. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm so thankful that you guys are able to share that wealth of information with us today. And guys who are listening, if this made you feel uncomfortable, then good. <laughs> Come get a bit from us. <laughs> <laughs> we all grow through our discomfort, and it's important for us to to really be able to hear other people's perspectives, uh, especially those are, that are not of the mainstream. So please listen with love, and please share this episode with someone you love. And we will see you in the next one. Bye. Yeah. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Aaliyah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.